0: Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett and I'm your host. Grace French was having trouble dealing with nightmares of trauma, getting little to no sleep and having difficulty going through her situation. She ended up getting her own dog to help wake her up during these nightmares and overall be of assistance with her anxiety. The results made a big difference and Grace has been able to keep moving and improving ever since. She is also the founder and president of the Army of Survivors, a national organization focused on education, advocacy, and support for child athlete survivors of sexual abuse. Grace, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Dog Save the People. Now, where are we speaking to you from?
1: So right now, I live in Canton, Michigan. It's right outside uh, the Detroit area.
0: And is that where you're from?
1: I grew up in Oakamus, Michigan, which is uh, a suburb of Lansing.
0: Okay. oh, I know Lansing. That's a wonderful town. I was um, a diver when I was a kid, and I just remember we went to a meet in Lansing, which I I have such fond memories about because it was such a cool sort of college town and really nice vibe there.
1: Awesome. That's so great to hear. I'm glad you like it. It is definitely an up-and-coming city, so it's been awesome to watch it sort of go through a revival.
0: Yeah. So, Grace, you grew up as a dancer, Yes.
1: Yeah, I started dancing when I was about five years old and have continued throughout my life. So I've been dancing for almost 20 years now.
0: Wow, wonderful. And is it ballet?
1: Yeah, I grew up a classical ballerina, but I also studied modern dance, contemporary, and a little bit of everything else.
0: Okay, that's wonderful. And I know that you, among many other athletes... Experience an extreme trauma growing up. And could you share that with us, please?
1: Yeah, totally. So, with sport, I think there's an innate culture of wanting to get back to the dance floor or the pool in your case, or wherever you perform your sport. And a lot of that pressure is put on your body. And so, there are often times where you'll get injured and you'll go to the doctor and just work to get through and get back to your sport. Um, So unfortunately, my doctor as I was growing up was Larry Nassar, the now defamed Olympic gymnast doctor. I saw him from the age of 12 to the age of 18 and saw him many times a year and was abused each of my appointments starting at the age of 12. So I did not know it was abuse as I was growing up. Like I said, my goal was to get back to the dance floor and just to do whatever I needed to do to get through those appointments and to get back to the sport that I loved.
0: I'm so sorry about that.
1: That's okay. I think a lot of what I've done since then has sort of been working to regain power over my story and to work to reclaim the love that I have for ballet and for dance.
0: Good. Good. So this then, these experiences, I'm sure, of course, caused a lot of trauma during the period of time when it was happening, but it sounds as though it also began to haunt you, even as an adult.
1: Yeah. So it was interesting. After I sort of started putting the pieces together about my abuse, I started seeing where that trauma had impacted my life. Uh, from the age of 12. So I started understanding that the times where I was having trouble breathing or the times where I had uncontrollable shivers were actually panic attacks and I could put a name to that now. And then after I started talking about my abuse and putting the name to it and understanding what a horrible monster I'd been growing up around, I began to have even more PTSD symptoms. So the nightmares started coming, I would have increased panic attacks, and I sort of had to process that trauma beginning with the time when I acknowledged that it was trauma.
0: I'm sorry. And that, again, it's just sounds like more than anybody should ever have to go through. So during this period of having the nightmares and all of these things that were starting to come up for you, tell me about the introduction of the idea of a dog in your life
1: yeah so i'd always had a dog growing up at my family's house and what kind of dog once i can what <laughs> no you're totally fine i love talking about it so um my family dog is a cavalier king charles spaniel and poodle mix oh, love so it. yes so he's this cute little fluffy white dog and he's such a lap dog like so loving and cuddly so as I was going through this trauma, my parents had suggested that I bring—his name is Charlie—so right. that I bring Charlie to college um, so that I could have that source of comfort throughout that time. I brought him to college, and I do my homework with him sitting on my lap, um, and he just brought me so much so much more, more grounded feeling, um, and I felt like I could— focus more when he was there, and he brought me happiness by just giving me all the love and attention that dogs do. So when I had to send him back, it was hard, but I also knew that my parents needed him as well for similar reasons. So that's where I started thinking about getting my own dog.
0: Wonderful. So tell me about how that all came to be.
1: I started searching online. Um, I was specifically looking for a dog that I could train to be a service dog. I thought that was super important for me because I needed somebody or something to help me wake up when I was having those nightmares or to search my apartment um, when I was having night terrors to make sure that there wasn't actually something in my room or to turn on the lights when I didn't want to get out of bed out of fear. Um, So I was specifically looking for that. So a bigger dog than what I was used to, was in the cards for that just because of the tasks that I wanted him to perform. And then I had found a dog. And so we drove out to go see the dog. And as soon as we got there, I knew he wasn't the right fit for me. So we started looking around at the other puppies that were available. And that's when this little fluffy black and white puppy trotted right up to me and my dad and plopped his little booty down and looked straight into our eyes. And that's when I knew I needed to get this puppy.
0: (laughs) that's how it happens. Yes. I love it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I came home with a very different dog than I had intended, but it has worked out for the best because Bentley has been so helpful in my healing and has brought me a lot of joy.
0: So how old is Bentley now?
1: Bentley is two years old now. So I got him in 2018. So Bentley is a Springer Spaniel mixed with a poodle. So tons and tons of energy, tons and tons of spunk. We started training him um, right away to be a service dog. I was training him an hour or so every day on my own. And then we were training with a professional trainer on the weekends for almost six hours. That was on top of me going to school uh, in my senior year of college. So it it was quite a lot. But I could start seeing the results almost right away after bringing Bentley home. My nightmares started going away and I found ways, well, Bentley forced me to go outside a lot more and to socialize even more because I had people who wanted to come see him and play with him, which helped a lot with the symptoms that I was experiencing. So as we were training him, though, we did realize his personality outshines his tendencies for service dog work. He's now not a service dog We stopped training, but he is still my emotional support animal, which has been beneficial as well.
0: Oh gosh, I bet. So how did you train him when you got him?
1: In the beginning, we were trying to train him how to wake me up from nightmares. So that would mean like I would basically pretend to have a nightmare and the trainer would help him figure out how to wake me up and then we'd give him a treat. So Figuring out those sort of tendencies, like what do I do when I'm having a nightmare that he'll recognize and wake me up. I was also working on figuring out how to have him turn on lights. So putting peanut butter on the light switch and then having him turn it off and on was something else that we were working on. And then, of course, just public behavior, like how to behave well in a public space. And that was the hardest part for Bentley because he's such a people person. He just wants to meet everybody and be everybody's friend. So it was really hard for him to focus on me during those times. I realized that the places that I need him most are when I'm at home and having symptoms at home. And I've learned ways to cope um, while in public.
0: That's incredible. So is he able to sense your anxiety or change in mood?
1: Oh, totally. I do teletherapy, which means I um, do therapy over the phone. And so I'll be home when I'm doing therapy and he'll immediately sense when we're talking about a difficult subject in therapy and he comes over and he's like pushing on my hand to make sure that I pet him. And he'll try and climb on my lap, which is a feat for a 60 pound dog. (laughs) He just is trying to get my attention and to ground me in a way that I think we both find useful. So that's been really helpful.
0: Yes. I saw the article in the New York Times that talked about you and talked about Bentley and, and the effect that he's had on your life. And the photographs are just so charming. He's he's a beautiful boy.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I agree. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's so great looking, and it really is just such a wonderful example of how our dogs, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel this way with, with a lot of animals, but specifically, there's just something about that human-canine relationship that does yeah. ground us, and it's just, it's, it's primordial.
1: Definitely. I don't know what it is, but they they know and and Bentley knows when I'm upset or when I'm about to get upset even sometimes. So I can definitely see that in practice today. Yeah. He's such an important part of my self-care and of the healing that I've experienced. And for survivors who reach out to me and tell their own story, I often ask where they're finding support. And if I don't hear that they have an animal in their lives, specifically a dog, I often suggest it as a way to heal and to move forward because Bentley has been such a huge, a huge part of that for me. Um, And I think it's important that people understand that they're not just a pet. They're not just a companion. They can also be a huge source of therapy.
0: Oh gosh, absolutely. And what I love hearing is that he has helped you kind of work through it and sort of take your life to the next level and that you guys are not as traumatized for lack of a better word by the past and that you both are kind of in this next phase of your life
1: i wouldn't be where i am today without his his love so he's been able to ground me and to send me off into the world a better person
0: so what are you doing now
1: I graduated in spring of 2018 um, with a bachelor's of business from the University of Michigan. I'm working with that degree in brand development at a financial services company in the Ann Arbor area. I am teaching dance. I'm also dancing professionally on the side. And then I have started a nonprofit called the Army of Survivors.
0: Yes, tell me about the Army of Survivors.
1: So the Army of Survivors was started by myself with the help of about 40 other Larry Nassar survivors. Um, We're working to bring transparency, accountability, and responsibility to the sports world and to make sure that athletes are athletes first and medals and wins second, which means we're focusing on resources, advocacy, and education around sexual abuse and sport we're trying to give back and to take power over our story and to show the world that survivors will survive and we will thrive and we will make the world better.
0: Yes, that is such an incredible story. So where where do we find you uh, in the world of social media and online?
1: Yeah, so um, the Army of Survivors you can find at the Army of Survivors on Instagram and Facebook. Our website is thearmyofsurvivors.org. Um, You can find Bentley on Instagram at at Bentley, B-E-N-T-L-E-Y-Y, the good boy, B-O-Y-Y. He posts often, as in I post often, (laughs) about our adventures together. So you can find both my organization and my dog online.
0: Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story.
1: Of course. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Okay. Take good care. Thank you. It was really powerful to hear about Grace's story. While dogs can generally make us feel happy no matter what, she needed one for a very specific purpose in her life. And as it turned out, that dog really made a big impact, and I'm so glad that Bentley was there for her in such a special and important way. I know that there are many people who deal with anxiety and trauma who are helped by dogs. And for those who don't know about it or are skeptical, I hope they'll give it a try and open themselves up to the magical ways that dogs can be of assistance. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.